Oh, and sorry, before, I know we're recording now, but remind me your, how do you pronounce your last name? Gracchi. Gracchi. Good. I, I'm glad I asked because I have a, I have a weird last name too. It's Tavishan, but most people can't pronounce. So Gracchi, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I, so, I get different variations, Grassy, Gracie. Which, Gracie. Which is- yeah. I was thinking Gracie when I saw yeah. that. <laughs> so, hey, man, thanks for being on the Rich Life podcast. Uh, it is sponsored by Red Rat Media, which is my advertising agency. Um, just wanted you to kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, how you started in the business, like how you got to where you are today and kind of like the quick synopsis of that and where you're from as well. Yeah, so I'm from Toronto, uh, born and raised. And uh, so I've been in the technology industry for the last 20 years. So um, I've been building businesses within the technology space uh, in, in uh, different, different spaces, different verticals. It started out with financial technology uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when uh, mobile payments was, was really big and new and innovative and I was working on some really interesting uh, projects there. And then I moved into technology distribution where I was responsible for building a, uh, an internet uh, uh, network technology portfolio uh, for a big global distributor. It was a $300 million portfolio. And then uh, I started up their wireless and mobility business there and grew that business from zero to a hundred million uh, when tablets and ebook readers were coming out and um, you know, different ways to activate a, a data plan on, on laptops and, and, um, and tablets. So, so that was, you know, big back then. And I was, you know, that was a part of it. And then I got recruited to run a, a, a software distribution company. And uh, that was my first uh, big foray into actually leading a company. Uh, I became uh, a partner and an investor within a year and uh, and then within that time frame in the first year, I saw a, a big shift uh, towards uh, cybersecurity spending and how it was growing at three times the rate of the rest of the industry. So we doubled down the whole company on building our cybersecurity software distribution business. And that was a really good run. We had nine consecutive years of growth. Um, we uh, uh, exited to a private equity firm. Uh, back in 2018 and stayed on for a few more years to help uh, transition. And we sold it again uh, to a a U.S. buyer. And then uh, then I started investing some early stage technology companies. Uh, Metal Networks is one of them. And uh, we're at the forefront of developing AI solutions for the industrial uh, supply chain. And I can talk a little bit about that later, but, uh, but that's been an exciting journey. And then also I love just helping other entrepreneurs with their businesses and uh, you know, their, their growth journey, their exit journey. And, and so when you reached out and, and talked a little bit about that and how you love to uh, uh, help entrepreneurs, it, it, uh, it aligned really well. That's, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on your success, right? I mean, so at what point did you go into like the entrepreneurial world? Like what, at what point were you like, you know what, I want to work for myself. I don't want to work for anybody else at this point in my life. What was that transition like for you? And I would love to know more about that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, working for big companies. Like I worked for a large bank. I worked for a large global distributor and um, I had uh, achieved a lot of success in 
in uh, launching different products, different services, working, you know, building those foundational skills that you need when you're working cross-functionally across a big organization. And so I felt uh, at that time that I, I built all this foundational knowledge about every single part of the business without the opportunity to actually run a business. And so when I joined uh, the cybersecurity software distribution company, that was my first, you know, uh, opportunity to just wrap my arms around an entire company, impact its culture, impact how we make decisions, the the, the roadmap, uh, taking risks, uh, living with <laughs> living with uh, some of those risks, um, but for for the most part, um, you know, them paying off. But it was it was really when I felt like I there wasn't anything else for me to accomplish functionally within these larger organizations. And, and I love to be creative and uh, drive change and, and, uh, and drive culture. Uh, and so, so that's what, you know, running a company to me uh, was, was really important. And so when did you start that journey? What, when was that journey was like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to consult for businesses. I'm going to start doing this on my own. What was that like? Yeah, so that was just a few years ago, actually. So, cool. so once I you know, exited the first company and, and uh, started investing and, and, and helping getting other companies off the ground, that's when I, I realized how much uh, other entrepreneurs need one another. Uh, in terms of uh, leaning on uh, other leaders that have been there, done that, and can share some of those experiences. And that's the gratifying part for me because, you know, I've made a lot of great decisions, but I made a lot of, you know, uh, decisions I'd like to take back. We call them experiences, right? And mm -hmm. for me, it's a pay it forward. It's not event. mistakes. It's a uh, learning experience, right? <laughs> and And it's... A, forward event. And I, I believe that why should, why should I sit and sort of, uh, you know, be, be idle about that when I could actually help other entrepreneurs uh, make those decisions, maybe make better decisions, help them avoid their blind spots and traps. We all fall into them. And that's part of the, the learning experience. But, you know, when you have your, a lot on the line and you've got your you know, a lot of finances on the line and, you know, you, you want to make sure that those businesses and those entrepreneurs are, are, um, uh, you know, getting, getting good, good, good advice and, and good support. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, you, you've touched multiple industries, right? So you've done the, it sounds like you're doing AI now, manufacturing, cybersecurity, you know, you have kind of a mix of different industries. Um, what were some of the challenges, I guess, when you were working for businesses and even when you're consulting with businesses that you see either entrepreneurs or businesses consistently making? Like, what are those challenges and those things that you're going in to solve those biggest those biggest problems for them? We'd love to know just, you know, listeners would probably love to know, like, how do I avoid those things, right? How do I avoid those mistakes as I'm continuing to grow business? Yeah, and it's, uh, they're all related to going into new territory, and so uh, every new technology uh, area or, or ecosystem that I, that I went into, obviously you don't have a deep knowledge of that particular space. So, so there's, uh, it, it can, 
work one of two ways. You have fresh set of eyes on a business and that spurs, you know, creativity and, and innovation and fresh ways of looking at things, but you also, you know, get those, you know, you have those blind spots. And so for any entrepreneur that's, you know, going out and starting something new, it's really around the, you know, a lot of them have gone the same path that I did where they worked for, for a big company and, and now they're finally running their own company, but there's different skill sets involved in running your own company. You know, you, you have to be, uh, you know, m mindful of, you know, cash is king uh, and how to navigate around you know, <laughs> early customers and getting them on board uh, your, your, your team members and hiring and, and starting to build a, a really solid culture from, from the get-go. And I, I guess one of the things that, you know, I've been starting to do a little bit more work on is around owner dependency, where business owners who've successfully built their business to a certain level, but then their business depends on them so much that it, it actually, uh, doesn't make it fun anymore running their business. And it could actually negatively impact how their business is valued down the road, as well as the ability to uh, free yourself a little bit from, from your business and have reintroduced some, you know, balance in your life. That's interesting because if, so what you're saying is like, not to oversimplify, but you're saying if the owner steps away is, is all shit going to break, right? Like, is the whole company going to dis get destroyed? Because Absolutely. I, like, I think about that now and I don't want to be that, you know, the, that, you know, the owner that the, every, the whole team depends on. Like, sometimes I want to be able to go, you know, with my wife and travel for a week and two or two or three weeks and just let everything kind of work its own way through without me. Right. So what are some of those things that you would suggest, whether it's like standard operating procedures or having strong leadership, like tell me a little bit more about that, that you've seen that has really helped owners not be dependent on their business and be able to step away. Yeah. So par part of it is, is leadership and teams. And, but that's um, on the surface, that is appears to be the fastest and easiest way to, to solve that issue. I'm going to hire a general manager or, or I'm going to hire a chief operating officer or something to take that load off. But what you're doing is you're transferring that dependency on another position. Okay. Mm. So what I do is I look at the business processes uh, across the organization. I look at each functional group and the interdependencies between those groups. And then we start to tackle, okay, wh where can we build some um, automation or business processes that could help uh, resolve some things? How do we help build autonomy within your teams so that they can make uh, s safer decisions, but closer to the ground where, they, where it doesn't you know, involve you uh, directly? Mm -hmm. uh, how do we uh, build some fail safe? So for example, if you've got a... Uh, a functional area or some responsibilities that are are critical for to and, and assigned to one person in the organization and that person always assume that person leaves tomorrow or um, goes on an extended leave or something what would happen and so business owners often they brace brace themselves and say no don't like don't don't say that because i really you know we really rely on this person but that's the moment where you need to put some time and attention and, and sort of free up some of those, those bottlenecks. And one way to do that is to augment your team around some of those critical business functions with uh, third-party providers, like partners that sure. have 
that backup and redundancy already built into their business. So I started doing that with my distribution company and uh, we built the business to, you know, a hundred million dollars in revenue, but we were a high volume, low margin business with only 25 people on staff. Right. So we had a couple of key areas that um, if one person left or there was a, a, a breakdown in terms of a, a, you know, the function or the, the process, then it put us in a very, very vulnerable position. And I started bringing in different service providers to help augment some of those responsibilities. Interesting. So high, you said high volume, low margin software distribution. I'm surprised because I feel like software generally is pretty high uh, margin, right? So yeah, the software publishers for the manufacturers. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Got but it. Distributing software, it's it's uh, it's a little bit different. Interesting. So if you were to, I mean, congratulations on hundred million in revenue, right? Like that is a feat with twenty five people. You said that's it, twenty five. Yeah. yeah. Wow, amazing. Congratulations. We started, at, <laughs> we started with twenty six people at forty million in revenue. So you can see the scale yeah. up opportunity just by investing differently in technology in people. Uh, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, uh, you, you've got the right people in the right seats and that there you have a culture that is, you know, uh, uh, spurring growth, that they're motivated. And, and so we had such a great uh, business there. So if you had to do that all over again today, what would you do differently? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, I probably would have made more acquisitions earlier in the process. For sure. I think um, that that would have uh, just amplified our our growth opportunity. But, you know, when I joined the company, there was a lot of things that needed to be foundationally addressed and 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 fixed. So I focused the first couple of years on that. But um, there was consolidation already happening in the industry. And so we sort of missed uh, a couple of opportunities where we could have gone in and made a few acquisitions early or or got investors to sort of uh, amplify our growth. So you mean acquire other software distributors, essentially? Yeah. Yeah, that, that seems to be a common thread from like the 10 to 50 to 100 million. It's like, why reinvent the wheel when you could just acquire other small businesses that are in the same, doing the same thing, right? And then you acquire the team, you acquire their systems, the processes and merge that together. Um, I'm not quite there at that level, <laughs> but I'm yeah. working on it. So um, no, that's really interesting. So and a lot of it, you know, a lot of it relies on outside capital coming in and, and for a lot of business owners who like to have that control and autonomy of their business, bringing in, you know, other investors, other capital, establishing formal boards, it, it they, they could feel like that holds them back. Right. And, and so there's, you know, there, there's different ways to do it. There's different types of financing, different types of investors, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's important not to sort of paint everybody with the same brush. You can, you can get some really solid partners, uh, investors in the business that would still let you, you know, run the business and, and do things autonomously, but with the opportunity to bring capital to make some of those acquisitions or invest in certain growth areas. Yeah, that makes sense. So to get to get to your first million, what was that like? I mean, and what was the what was the team structure? Was it just you? Was it a few people? Tell me about that cuz you know, the people that listen, you know, typically they're trying to get their first seven figures, right? 
Yeah. Um, and I think there's different, there's different stages of business, right? Like there's the first, let's just say the first 10 K a month. Right. And then the first 30 K, the first 60 K, the first million a year. And then there's the one to three and then the three to five and then the 10 plus, what was that first million like with this company? Um, and like, what were, like, what were some of the marketing channels? What were some of the sales processes? You know, how did you, how did people know who you were for you to even help them? Like, what did, what did that look like for you um, in the early stages? Yeah. I mean, having a strong marketing engine is really important and, and that's uh, fundamental today because there's so many channels to communicate so many ways to get your message out, which sure. applies to everybody, right? So cutting through the noise is, is really important. So getting that, that awareness. Uh, there's a lot of noise out there too. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But I would say the first, you know, the uh, first and foremost is getting those first hires, right. And mm. if you look at those successful companies that got off, you know, to, to the, you know, their first seven figures and in, in revenue, uh, it was really important that they, they, they actually attribute a lot of their early success with those first few hires and sales and marketing that really uh, help them, them grow. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of sales do get closed in that first million by the founder and, and the, uh, you know, the CEO, but, um, but, you know, those first few sales reps and marketing reps that come on board really, really critical. And, and so you have to have your, your hiring really, you know, honed in and, and have that sort of matching mechanism where you're, you're matching that person, their profile, uh, to the role and the company and the culture and your own management style. You know, there isn't a, you know, as much as there is a science to hiring, you know, great people, I think what it comes down to is, is the right fit too. And that your, your interests are aligned and they're really motivated to helping you grow. Yeah. I think that's, that's so critical. Like having that alignment of values, right. Yeah. If, if the employee's not meshing well with the company values and culture, then it's, it's, they're just taking away from the culture. Yeah. And that's why I'm a big fan of culture building uh, very, very yeah. early in the process, because um, that gets, it starts to influence how your day-to-day -day decisions are made when you're not there. Yes. That culture. Yeah. In culture. Which then allows you to step away to your point earlier. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, all, it, all, it all comes from full circle. That's why it's not a simple solution for business owners to, to move towards uh, independence of, of their business. And I'm not saying that it'll, it'll never depend on them, but you know, there, there, there needs to be uh, those opportunities where you can get away for a day or two or a week or a month um, and not uh, feel like you're going to be pulled into a fire or a 911 every time you step away from the office. That is not a healthy environment to be running and you have to sort of address that systematically. So I help coach uh, those founders and entrepreneurs around that. And, uh, and they find that to be very helpful because it's situational and it's shadow coaching. So I'd actually go in uh, as a shadow coach and, and help them identify those opportunities. Yeah, that that's a good transition into the next question I wanted to ask you because clearly you've, you've done amazing things in terms of business, right? And so like, what, like when you exit large, you know, when you exit these companies and you get those checks and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Right. It's easy to just go lay on the beach for a little while and do nothing for the rest of your life. Right. When you have that. And I'm a big believer in, in, in passive investing, real estate investing as well. So I have, you know, properties like that too, but sometimes I think, you know, what's compelling me 
to keep going, right? Like once you collect that check and exit, it's like, well, what's compelling you to keep going? So that's my question to you. What fires you up, Joe, about this, about business, about entrepreneurs, about SMBs that compels you to keep going and to, to either help people or, or whatnot? Would love to know your kind of thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just a perennial business student. I love learning. I'm constantly learning about business. And that's what drives me forward because learning is experiential, number one, but it's also, you know, you can go into business in, in, in different areas, different industries, and you'll be challenged as a business leader in different ways. So that's what keeps me moving forward. And, and I love to see people succeed around me, you know, and there's nothing more gratifying to me than when I have, you know, former colleagues or coworkers or teammates, you know, that have sort of moved on and they they still reflect on the, the, the environment and the culture that, that you built in the company or how you perhaps influenced their career, uh, you know, in the past. And, and so that's, to me, that is, you know, that is, that is uh, you know, definitely moves me forward. Uh, but it, it's, you know, it becomes less about the money after and more about yeah. the gratification. That's, and, that's what I was trying to get at because yeah. I think a lot of people chase the money. Right. And, and, but the reality is once you get it, it's like, well, what's next? <laughs> right. Right. That's the first, so, that's the first thing people ask. And that's why a lot of business owners don't want to sell their business because that's the first question they ask themselves and they think, well, what am I going to do next? I don't know what that's going to look like. My business has been in my DNA, but what, but it's really important to help to help business owners sort of realize and understand that, you know, the markets move in cycles too, and their business could be worth more today than even if they doubled it in two years, it might be worth less in two years from now. You know, if you just looked at uh, technology business valuations in the last year, they've, they've gone down by almost half, mm. right? So even if you built a good business and you weren't ready to sell it two years ago and valuations were at a peak, uh, compared to today, maybe it's maybe it's double the size of business today. It might still be worth the same or less, you know. So so timing is is really important. Readiness is really important, and just being ready when the time is right is just as critical. Because a lot of business owners will will say, "Well, I'm not ready now. I'll deal with it when I'm ready." But it takes up to two years for your business to get ready for an exit. Mm -hmm. So so you you have to start that planning process, and you know, exit planning is a business planning strategy too. So you have to, you know, think, think about that as well. Even if you're not wanting to exit, it should be still part of your business planning process. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, um, so there's, there's certain, you know, thoughts around focusing businesses on niches. So if I were to, if I were to, you know, talk about software distribution, I would maybe consider that a niche in a sense um, and I, when I think about business, you know, people always think like, don't go too broad. Like you need to address a TAM, right? Like you have to address a TAM that's big enough for product market fit. But at the same time, you also need to address, you know, the, you know, you have to create the right messaging for the right market and for the right audience to, to really get those sales and to support those customers. So tell me about the balance in the context of the businesses that you've started 
uh, how important product market fit is and what that process was like for you, you know, as you kind of grew these businesses to hundred million. It's, it's really important. And you think you get it right on paper based on your research and then, uh, and then you put things into practice and in motion and you realize uh, it's not working. And so you have to pivot and then you do it again and then you pivot again and then you do it again and you pivot again. So, so getting product market fit sometimes is a, is a uh, evolutionary process and not a one, one, one time process and, and you get it right. You know, a lot of, you know, very big successful companies uh, got that way because they actually started in one direction, trying to solve one problem for one type of client or one industry, and then ended up discovering through that process that no, this was actually, it was a different product, a different uh, 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 target client that was the, the key to their success. And so, but it, it takes a lot of stamina, energy, resources to do that, to go through that multiple times. So perseverance is critical. Right. So, so never give up is what you're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, never, never give up. Never yeah. give up. If you believe, if you truly believe that what you're doing is going to benefit and change things and, and that there's going to be, um, you know, a, uh, event eventually, you know, uh, something at the end of the rainbow for you, but you have to believe that mm. just not having that belief, accompany that perseverance is, 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 is different. Yeah, that's interesting. Just say, okay, well, maybe this isn't the right business for me, or maybe this isn't the right time, or whatever. And you know, knowing when to pull back to is also important. But it's really hard to tell. It's you know, it's not it's not a decision you can make for somebody. It's just some a decision that they need to come to terms on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so you're you're talking about also some mindset, which is one of my favorite things to talk about, right? And I I think that entrepreneurs need to have a really strong mindset because you're going to get hit with so much, right? Like yeah. lawsuits and people leaving and, you know, you know, employees not fitting the culture, employees may be stealing from you, right? There are going to be challenges along the way. Um, tell me about some of your, maybe some books or some resources that have helped you build your habits in business specifically around your belief system, your mindset to, to grow businesses. Um, Cause I know for me, you know, having the, the, having the team in the habit of doing outreach, having the team, you know, uh, with a clear sales process, having the team, you know, have standard operating procedures, those kind of things help support um, the growth of the business. Um, but they also have to align with the, they have to have the right mindset to do those things, to pick up the call, pick up the phone and call somebody and be ready for rejection. Right. Or, um, you know, all those, all those challenges that come with business. So tell me a little bit about maybe some of the mindsets that you have, um, around business and maybe around some of the habits that have helped you along the way as well. Yeah. So I, I would say one of the most important books or two of the most important books that I've read is uh, Atomic Habits and The Obstacle is the Way. I think those are two books that has required reading for any business owner, uh, any professional for that matter. Uh, it does help you, you know, think about things differently, but more important, more importantly, besides, you know, the books and the podcasts and, you know, that's, you know, th those are all materials that, that people should continue to invest in 
uh, for themselves, but I've been part of a CEO peer group for 11 years now. And I joined when I was, when I got my first. Say it again, CEO peer group? CEO peer group. Oh, CEO peer group. Got yeah. it. Like a mastermind type. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is uh, probably the most influential uh, mindset and knowledge sharing, knowledge uh, 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 pra practice that, that, that yeah. I had. So, you know, uh, in, you know, 11 years, uh, it's opened my mind considerably because I'm, I'm meeting with other business owners every month, uh, sharing our issues, challenges, opportunities, threats. And we talk about everything under the sun, which affects the business owner. And, and so that's been a, a very influential uh, piece to my learning. I call it my classroom. I, I meet <laughs> with my group. There's 16 of us uh, with a, a group leader, former CEO, uh, who I also have one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with. And uh, we meet every month for four hours. And uh, that is that is my classroom. That's where I get to learn through osmosis too, through other CEOs' experiences. So when, when another CEO comes forward and says, yeah, my I, I just... I suspect one of my employees is stealing from me or, or something like that. We actually walk through that and, and, and navigate uh, that with that business owner so that uh, it, it becomes part of our own uh, knowledge uh, uh, repertoire as well. I love that. Yeah. I think it's important to have those sort of mastermind groups and peer groups to help guide you along. I'm in multiple masterminds, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know we're a little over time here. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time, but before we go, would like to ask you, you know, what is, what's the best place that the listeners can reach out to you? Maybe it's a website or social. would love for you to share, you know, how you could um, reach out to, or how others can reach out to you and how you can help support them as well on their entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is the best way to reach out to me and uh, just send me a personalized message. So I know it was, uh, you're listening to the podcast and uh, make that reference. So, uh, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Joe Gracchi uh, is the uh, URL and um, yeah, that's the, that's the best way to, to connect with me. Awesome. Well, Joe, Hey man, thanks for being on. I appreciate you. And uh, you. we're going to, I'll stop recording now.